Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can come again and worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you that we know you. We know that you are there and that you do hear us when we speak to you in prayer and when we speak about you, when we proclaim the gospel week by week, when we expound your word, when we study your word together, you are watching, you are listening to what we say. Lord, we pray that you may help us this morning as we look into your word together. Help us to understand what it says. And may it be helpful for us as we try to live lives that are pleasing in your eyes. Lord, may this time this morning not be wasted, but may it be very fruitful as we come to serve you, the living God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think we're all very familiar with what it means to deceive someone. We all use different deceptions with others. Uh, Day by day, ever since we're very small, uh, we can know what it means to tell a lie, know what it means to deceive others. Now, sometimes deceptions are very uh, mild and they're more tricks that you play upon people. An example of this is my little nephew, who's now six years of age. He was taught by, I think, my father how to uh, get a lolly wrapper at my parents' place. There are always lollies everywhere. That's one of the reasons I love going there. On the table, there are always lollies and these little wrapped-up sweets. He taught him to eat one, get the wrapper, eat a second one, and then put the wrapper inside, twist it up so that it looks like a sweet is there. And then he puts it back in the bowl. And so you pick one out, and of course you know, because it's light, that it's not a real lolly. But he sits there in gleeful delight, waiting for you to open it, and you have to put on this bit of an act that you have been truly deceived by him when you open it up, and there is just a wrapper and not a lolly there. And he never tires of the game. Every time I go there and he is there, he wants, he, he does it, and then says, have a lolly. And you have to do the act again. He loves this deception that he puts on. Deceptions are something that we're very familiar with. And it's not a new thing to deceive others. It's not a new thing to lie at all. And the one particular deception that is very famous in history is, of course, the deception that we're looking at this morning is that of King Herod with the Magi. That's what we're going to look at this morning is King Herod's deception of the Magi. And so my first main point this morning is that Herod deceives the true worshippers. The true worshippers are the Magi, and we've read about them in the passage from Matthew chapter 2, page 956 of the Black Church Bibles. I encourage you to have the Church Bible open there as we look at this passage together. Yesterday we looked at verses uh, basically 2 through to 6 and and what that taught us. Today we're looking at Herod with the Magi again and how he's deliberately setting out to deceive them, deceive these true worshippers. What's Herod's deception? Well, he wants Jesus dead so that he can reign. He is fearful of this new king that has been born, and he wants to be the one who's in charge. And so to get at that king, that King Jesus that has been born, he needs to deceive the Magi, so that he can get as much information from them about where King Jesus is, so that he can kill them, so that he can kill Jesus himself. That's his deception. He deceives these magi by uh, getting information from them and wanting to find out where Jesus is born. Now, how does Herod carry out his deception? 
Well, we're going to be looking at verses 7 and 8, and we see all the little clues there as to how Herod carries out his deception. The first thing that Herod uses for his deception is secret discussions. We see that in verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Why is he operating in secrecy here? Why is he not being open about his discussion with the Magi? Well, if Herod openly discussed it with the Magi, that everybody knew he was getting the Magi in and having this conversation with them, well, some of the Jews might have tipped the Magi off that Herod is not all he appears to be. The man is a criminal. The man is a horrible man. And if you share information with him about another king, the guy is very, very likely to kill that king. Yesterday I spoke about how bloodthirsty Herod is, that he had killed his mother, his wife, and three of his sons to try and secure the throne for himself, to keep other contenders away. And so the Jews knew this. And if he had an open discussion with the Magi, it's very likely they would have tipped the Magi off. So instead, he's very secret, gets the Magi in, and has this discussion with them. How else does he carry out his deception? Well, he carefully investigates. He uses careful investigation. Now, carefully investigating something as important as where Jesus Christ was born and who he is sounds like a good thing. But he calls them in to carefully investigate so that he can carry out his plan. Does he carefully investigate? Well, yes, he does. Verse 7, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He wants the exact time. Now, why is he so desirous to have the exact time? Well, it's his backup plan. If the Magi don't come back, well, then he knows what they know, at least, at this point in time. And if he knows the exact time that the star appeared, then he's got a reference point for all the children that he will later kill, what age he needs to obliterate all the male children in Bethlehem. And we see him do that later, as we read uh, in the verses of Matthew 2, when Herod realised that he had been outwitted by the Magi. He was furious, verse 16, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. How did he know two years old and under? Because he'd done some careful investigation with the Magi. He'd deceived them, thinking, oh, King Herod, he wants to come worship too. He's, he's a good guy. He's carefully investigating. Well, all along, it was his backup plan. He was deceiving the Magi there. How else does he carry out his deception? Well, interestingly, he does some good work. He does something that is quite good. What's that? Well, he, encouraged, he, he actually imparts some information to them. He, he sent them to Bethlehem, it says in verse 8. So he's got them in. He's, to, he's got from them the information he wants. And then he's shared something that he knows. So he's going tit for tat. Yes, I'm a good person. I'll share some information with you. You don't know the exact location. I know it's Bethlehem. The chief priest had told him earlier, it's Bethlehem that Jesus is born at. So here he goes and says, he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, go there. That's the place to go to. He's doing something good in sharing good information. Why is he doing it? so that he can carry out his plan of deception and get to that son that has been born and kill him. And then the other thing that he does, carries out his deception, 
is that he encourages good works. He does a good work of sharing the information about Bethlehem, and then he encourages the Magi to do some good work. He doesn't say, don't go there. What does he say? Verse 8, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. Go and make a careful search. You're doing a good thing here. You need to find that king. He encourages them to continue in the good work that they're doing. They've travelled across the Arabian Desert. They've come here. They still need to find Jesus. He doesn't say go home. He says go. Go to Bethlehem. Make a careful search. He encourages them to do a good work, which sounds good. It's deceiving, though, because that's what's happening on the surface. It looks like he's encouraging good works, but all along he's trying to find Jesus so he can kill him. The last thing that he does, the fifth thing that he does, is that he claims he is a true worshipper. The last part of his plan of deception is to claim that he is a true worshipper. Verse 8, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. To say that you're a true worshipper of Jesus Christ is a good thing. But all along, underneath, he is trying to kill Jesus. And so the Magi think, this guy, he's off to worship Jesus like we are. But he's lying. It's a deliberate lie that he's telling these Magi that he is a true worshipper as well. So in these five ways, using secret discussions, using careful investigation, using good works, encouraging good work, and claiming to be a true worshipper, Herod is carrying out his deception, looking like a good guy, apart from the secrecy bit. Secrecy kind of makes you think, oh, why are we having this secret conversation? But the other four things, yeah, this guy's good. But all along, he's trying to get at Jesus so that he can kill him. That's Herod. What about man today? Is he any different? Can we see these characteristics of Herod around today, or are we all much better than Herod was? Are we the same today as Herod? No, man has not changed at all since the days of Herod. He continues to want to deceive true worshippers. And that's my second main point this morning. People still deceive the true worshippers. People still want true worshippers for their own ends. Just like Herod was going to these magi, the true worshippers, to get what he wanted... People still do that with the church of God today. What do they use the church for? They use the church for power. You get people to follow you. You may do that at the church that they're already at. You get into a position of power so you can make people do what you want. Or you may steal people from the church of God over to your little church and so that you can use them for your own gain there. People use the church in other ways, not just power, but also for money. Christians should be and often are quite generous when it comes to money, when it comes to possessions, when it comes to helping in different ways. And so if you need some help, a good place to call in is at the church and get them to give you what you want and show some interest in the church. But all along, you're just wanting that material benefit from them. Another thing people use churches for is, of course, friends. You're lonely, don't really know anyone in the area, Where's a good place to meet people? Well, you can go to the pub up the road, but another place you can go to is a church. Different calibre of people that you might be more interested there than at the pub. And so you go along to a church and you meet people there and you get some friends there. But that's all you really want from the church 
You just want to meet some people and have some friends. And then another reason that people use the church is, of course, to get freedom from guilt. Most people do feel guilty about what they do with their lives, the different sins that they have committed, and they want some peace from that guilt that they feel inside them. And they turn to many things, turn to the refrigerator, turn to other religions, but they turn to the church of Jesus Christ as well because they see that there is something right there. They see that there is something good there. And if I just go along, some of that blessing will come upon me and I'll feel better about myself. And so they use the church just to feel better about themselves. How do people deceive the church? Well, they do the same things, the same methods that Herod used. What were those? Well, they used secrecy, just like Herod called in the true worshippers and had a secret discussion with them. So people do the same with the church today. They don't discuss things openly so that the true worshippers can cotton on to what is going on so that other people can warn them. No, they're very secret about what they believe and they have secret discussions with Christians. What are examples of this? Freemasonry is one, and Scientology, where it's all secret what they believe. And so they will say, yes, yes, we believe the same thing. But they, we have secret ideas. And come and be with us for a while and we will tell you these things. But it's all secret, all hush-hush. It may not be as obvious as that. It may just simply be people who come along to church but a secret about their coming along to church to their friends and family. People come along to church on Sundays, but through the week their work colleagues wouldn't have a clue that they go to church. And so they keep it all hush-hush, secret-secret, because they know the benefits of being at work and being a non-Christian at work, and they know the benefits of being on Sunday a Christian. And so they keep it secret from their friends and family, from particular people, because it's better that way. And I can get what I want if I keep it secret. The other thing that they do, like Herod, is they use careful investigation about the church, which sounds good. Investigating what goes on at a church is a good thing to do. But people often do it to meet their own needs. They find out how much money is given on a Sunday. What are the church's assets? This kind of thing. How much do you give to charity? Do you have money that you allocate for, for people of the church who need some cash quickly? This kind of thing. Some small loans. Do you do this kind of thing? They come in and that's kind of the first thing that they're interested in. And they may not come along to a church Sunday service, but they certainly come to the, the pastor's house and ask, do you have any money to give out? And they say, yes, I'm a Christian. I go to church somewhere in Melbourne. And they say... Do you have money? I need to get back to Melbourne. That's what I'm after. And they come along and they do this careful investigation about what you do with the church. And they may ask for some details about the church and how long you've been here and show some interest. But all the time, they're after what they want, which is money. What is another thing that people do to deceive the church? Well, just like Herod, they do some good works, which is a good thing to do. Herod did some good works by saying, go to Bethlehem, giving some information, giving some helpful teaching. And people do that at church. They come along, they be involved, they get on the rosters, they say, what can I do to help? When all along, what are they really here for? They're here for their own benefit. It's kind of the, I'll scratch your back, you'll scratch my back. 
and sort of tit-for-tat relationship. They come along, they help, but it's all with a view to what they can get themselves from you, which is a concept that we're very familiar with at this time of Christmas, isn't it? I give a present, so I expect a present back. It's meant to be a two-way street when I give, which isn't what Christmas is about at all. It should be about the joy of giving to people and not about what you're going to get back from the person. If I gave this expensive present, then I deserve an expensive present back. But some people, that's what they use churches for. They give a little, but they want a little. They give a lot, they want a lot. That's what they use the church for. What else do they do? Well, just like Herod encourages good works, go and find the child, make a careful search, people use the church by encouraging good works. They sound good. They may even do some teaching at the church, have some little bits of sound theology that they share with people and encourage people, yes, yes, you should do that. But all along, why are they encouraging good works? Because they know that's what people want them want to hear. If they come along to church and they encourage people, be a good Christian, be faithful, then people say, yes, you're a good Christian. I welcome you as a friend. You're someone we want here. What can we do to help you? They're encouraging good works simply for what they can get. And then the last thing that people often do to carry out the deception about what they can gain from a church is they claim to be a true worshipper, just as Herod did too. He says, so that I too may go and worship him. And so people do the same thing today. They claim to be a Christian when all along what they're doing is trying to get you to do what they want. Words are so cheap. To say you are a Christian takes really no effort at all. And you can gain so much by doing it. And people will do that. They will say they're a true Christian to simply get something from you. A good example is that of that is people like Jehovah's Witnesses. When they come to the door, they carry a Bible and they say, we teach you from the Bible. We are Christians. If they are Christians, why do they persist in trying to argue with me at the door about what I believe? When I speak to another Christian from another denomination... I'm happy to have a chat with them, but I'll leave them in peace. May the Lord bless your work. If I speak to some people from the Anglican Church or from the Presbyterian Church, I'm not interested in getting them to come along to my church. No, we pray for the Presbyterian Church. We pray for the Anglican Church. We pray that God will bless them and increase their numbers because they are part of the true church. We want people who are part of the kingdom of Satan. And they're the people that we want to focus on. But people will come along and they will say, yes, we're true Christians, but then they seem to want to always be converting you to their particular little cult. And they're showing that what they want isn't you to be a good Christian. They want you to be their kind of Christian. And they're trying to snatch you away by claiming to be a true worshipper. But all along they've got their own agenda that they're trying to use. So what lessons can we draw from this then? Well, my third main point this morning is beware of deceivers. If you are a Christian, are you careful not to help people like King Herod, not to help those people who are deceivers? Or are you a bit naive like the Magi 
and simply believe everything that somebody says to you. It is so easy to believe everything you hear and see and to forget that there are people out there who are deceivers, who are going to use you for what they can get. Just because someone's interested in your church and carefully investigates it, just because someone does good works and encourages good works, and just because someone claims a Christian and claims they are a Christian does not mean they are a Christian. You should not simply accept people for what they claim to be. You should be very careful about allowing such people to become members of the church. Just because someone says they're a Christian, just because they do a few good things, does not make them suitable for church membership, does not make them someone that you should be embracing as a Christian. Be very careful. If you know anything about your own deceitful heart, you should recognize that other people are deceitful as well and be careful about what they're saying and what may be their agenda. Protect yourself of deceivers, but also you should warn deceivers as well. Warn wolves when you spot them in sheep's clothing that they have come along to manipulate the church. And that's what I want to do in my fourth main point this morning is don't be a deceiver yourself. Don't be a deceiver. Maybe you are a Herod sitting here right now. I have a fair idea about most of you and the members of the church. I have a better idea. But I can't see your heart and you can't see my heart. You don't know my agenda. You have a bit of an idea, but you don't know it completely. God is the one who can only see the heart. And so are you a Herod sitting here this morning? Are you someone who are deceiving true worshippers for your own gain? Are you using secrecy, careful investigation, doing a couple of good works, encouraging some good works, and claiming to be a Christian with your mouth all the while while you are trying to get power, you're trying to get money, you're trying to get friends, and you're trying to get just maybe some peace of mind. That's why you're going to church. That's why you're in church right now is because of what you can get from the church. Are you a Herod sitting here right this morning, simply here for what you can gain from the other true worshippers that are here? If that is you, please consider what you are doing. Plans of hypocrites never prosper. What you're trying to do is put God to death. You think that he is not there watching what you're doing. And putting God to death never works. That's what Herod was trying to do. He was trying to put God to death. He was trying to put Jesus to death. And did he succeed? No. Jesus lived. He survived. God protected him. And you cannot put God to death any more successfully than Herod tried to put God to death as well. Your plans to deceive others will fail as well. You may fool other men, you may fool everyone in this building, but you will not fool God. He knows the desires of your heart, and one day you will die like Herod died. Shortly after Jesus' birth, he died and went to the grave. And all those precious things that he accumulated from abusing the church, were left behind. 
And the same will happen to you. The power that you get, the friends that you get, the money that you get, it's all left behind. That you acquired from the church, it's all left behind as you go to the grave and then you will be punished for your sins, including the sin of deceiving the true worshippers. Realise what you are doing if you were sitting here as a hypocrite this morning and realise that you are settling for worldly pleasures, power, friends, money, a little bit of peace of mind. You are settling for those when you could have the heavenly treasures that come with being a true Christian, the eternal reward, the eternal friends, the eternal power that we have over sin in heaven. It is yours, the riches that are in heaven. It is yours. Don't settle for the worldly, the little bit that you can get from Christians here. Go for gold. Go for what heaven will provide you with if you are a true Christian. So be a true Christian. Repent of your sins. Say sorry to God for what you have done with your life and how you have deceived the church. And then believe in Jesus' death for yourself. Become a true Christian through faith in his death. That is the only way to have your sins forgiven. That Jesus bears the punishment on the cross for you. Including the sin of being a hypocrite and abusing the church for what you could get from it. Jesus can take that sin as well. He can take any sin. He can take it if you've been a murderer. He can take it if you've stolen, lied, cheated, Anything you do can be taken upon Jesus at his death because he was God and he can take an infinite amount of punishment. Trust in him and then live a life of holiness. Do these things that Herod did, but do them for the right reason, apart from the secrecy thing, although sometimes you've got to keep things under wrap for a bit of time. But do those things that he did where he carefully investigated the church. It's a good thing to do that. But do it for the right reason, that you want to find out more about Jesus and you want to find out more about the church so you can be a more faithful Christian. And do good works, not so that you can get someone else to scratch your back, but do good works to please the one who is in heaven. And then encourage others to do good works. Exhort the other Christians around you. Be faithful. And don't do it just so that you can win friends. Do it because it's the right thing to do, that your Father in heaven is pleased with you. And claim to be a true worshipper. There is always that temptation for every Christian. When something comes up about Christianity at work, amongst your friends, amongst your family, to keep your mouth shut and not let people know who you are and where your allegiance lies. Claim to be a true worshipper consistently, not like Herod did here, just to win what he wanted. Claim to be a true worshipper because it's the right thing to do. Don't be like Herod. Be like the Magi. Be true worshippers of Jesus Christ. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you sent your Son into the world and you protected him from evil, deceitful men like King Herod that wanted to take advantage of him and of the true worshippers. Lord, we pray that you may keep us from assisting and helping those people who are false worshippers, who are deceiving us. Lord, help us to be wise 
about who we accept as brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us not to simply believe everything that someone says to us, but help us to test them and watch what they do and watch what they believe. Listen to what they say. And Lord, we pray that if anyone here this morning is a King Herod, has deceived many people for many years, and is simply here this morning for what they can get from the church, Lord, we pray that they may be honest about who they are and what they have been doing. And we pray that we may be able to welcome them as a brother and sister for the first time. Lord, we pray that you may search our hearts as well to see what we come to church for and help us to not be here because of what we can get from people, but because of what we can give to others and how we can spur them on to follow you because we want to do that not for what we can get, but because you are our God and we want to please you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.